Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to an emergency Buckeye talk from Chicago. Doug Lamarie's Tim Bielek, Bill Landis in a lobby of a Marriott on Michigan Avenue. And we said we were doing an emergency Buckeye talk and immediately someone tweeted us and said like, what kind of pizza are you going to eat in Chicago? And I was like, that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because (laughs) the emergency is where should we eat tonight? Um, (laughs) We're doing it obviously because Ohio State fired Zach Smith today. If you're listening to this, you probably know that. Bill Landis, what will the effect be? We're going to get into all the other stuff. There are stories up on Cleveland.com. There are news stories. I just wrote a column. Tim wrote about Garrett Wilson saying he's not decommitting. Bill has the news story, and Bill wrote about Zach Smith earlier in the day and all this stuff. There's stuff to go read. What's the effect of Ohio State losing its receivers coach a couple weeks before preseason camp starts? You know, I honestly don't think there's going to be that much of of an effect on sort of the on-field product. Um, I think our assumption is that Brian Hartline will be the receivers coach, um, at least on a temporary basis, if if not given the job outright um, sometime soon. And if that's the case, Brian Hartline's a guy who's worked with this particular group of receivers for over a year, and there's a relationship there. And I think if he were to just step in and start coaching the position group, they'd be fine. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, I also don't think it has a drastic effect. Now, Zach Smith was a, a good recruiter for Ohio State, was, I, I think, held the title of recruiting coordinator um, and had a, a lot of really good gets for Ohio State, particularly out of Florida. But as it relates to the players at the receiver position that Ohio State is currently recruiting, it's felt like Zach Smith had a little bit less of a role in those recruitments than like Ryan Day did. Ryan Day, for instance, was very instrumental in Garrett Wilson's commitment, and Garrett Wilson has already said he's sticking with Ohio State, that this has no effect on him. And I think for the most part, you'll see that to be the case for the other players that are recruiting at the position. I just think that Ryan Day, as the offensive coordinator, has had more of a hand in recruiting these guys than Zach Smith has. If you want to call Ryan Day the primary recruiter, of course Zach Smith has a hand in it because it's his position. Um, But I think if, if Ryan Day is still here and they can say they have a good replacement in Brian Hartline. I think they'll be okay from a recruiting standpoint. The effect I think comes from what happens here with Urban Meyer tomorrow and what he says and what information he's willing to provide regarding his knowledge of the past incidents that were revealed on Monday. Tim, can we review quickly like uh, the receiver recruiting and like who's, 
who's verbally committed for 2019, who they're in on elsewhere, just to reset that a little bit. We do know that Zach Smith is a guy who had been involved in the, the DMV in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. That was one of his primary uh, areas, but we, Larry Johnson is also a huge factor in recruiting that area. We know Zach Smith had gone some different places. He was like the, he was a big he was like the Vegas guy, right? When they were out getting Tate Martell and Haskell Garrett yep. and those guys at Bishop uh, Bishop McDonald. What's it called? Gorman. Bishop Gorman. Bishop Gorman. Um, so he he had gone gone a couple different places, but but it doesn't seem like obviously he's involved with the receivers. It's not like sometimes you lose an assistant. And it leaves like a gaping hole in an area. Like when Tim Beck got fired, it was like, or Urban Meyer said it, a priority was we've got to hire a quarterback's coach who we think can recruit Texas because Tim Beck was in Texas and they needed people in Texas. I, I think they're okay. I mean, Zach Smith was in Florida some, right? But California a little bit. Yeah, he was kind of all over right? the place. Yeah, everyone goes to Florida. Um, but that was like South Florida was a big area for him. But I, I just don't I – don't, from a recruiting standpoint, I honestly don't think it's that big of a hit. Okay. I, I have a point to make about recruiting. Let's reset the receiver recruiting quickly, Tim. Well, obviously, as I wrote on Cleveland.com, Garrett Wilson reaffirmed he stayed. And an important distinction I made note of is that Ryan Day was the guy responsible for Garrett Wilson. He was at Lake Travis a few days before Wilson committed. And then Wilson went ahead and tweeted essentially that he's not going anywhere right now. So he's the only one that's committed for 2019 right now. I wrote on Sunday my four questions for Ohio State's 2019 recruiting class, and one of them was what's going to happen with a receiver, how many they're going to take. The two guys I wrote about to watch, Jamison Williams, Marcus Washington, both from St. Louis. Washington commits on August 7th. Ohio State is, is the heavy favor right now in 247's crystal ball to get him. How they finish outside of those three, if they get all three, remains to be seen. There's a couple guys kind of jockeying for that fourth spot. And another name that surfaced uh, for 2020 is – Rakeem Jarrett from Washington, D.C. Earlier this month, he tweeted out a top four that included Ohio State. That came just days after getting an Ohio State offer. But Jarrett backed away from that last week. You know, he said he was going to take a step back from recruiting, has not been to Ohio State yet. Um, but he's supposed to at the end of the month, along with two other of his teammates from St. John's College at Washington, D.C., including five-star linebacker Mikhail Sherman. So they, they, they have stuff going on. But we do, we do not think there is any direct – because sometimes it happens, right? Is this? I'm just making sure people understand this in recruiting. Sometimes if you lose an assistant, you lose the kid. For sure. Yeah. We, we don't have any reason to believe that there is any en – enough of a direct connection with anybody they're in on that that would be the case. I think Marcus Washington is interesting. Um Tim said he announced his longest seventh, and then Ohio State has long been the favorite. Missouri would like to keep him in state. His dad likes Missouri. I saw his dad at the opening, like walking around in the Missouri hat. Um, what he does on August 7th, will, I think, will be a little telling. Um, and if he ultimately decides to stick with Ohio State, then I, then I think you can feel pretty good about it. If he either changes his date or commits somewhere that's not Ohio State, then, then maybe I'm wrong and this has more of an impact than I thought. But I just don't anticipate that happening. I think like it's not. I just don't think Zach Smith was so instru in instrumental to Ohio State as an entity and Ohio State's recruiting practices that they're going to lose players because of this. But unless it comes out that like Ohio State was like negligent in hiring him in the first place. But did, didn't 
wasn't did we not think that like Zach Smith was like the young guy on the staff? He was out. He was an aggressive recruiter. Didn't he win like recruiter awards from the recruiting yeah, services? Like he and goes stuff? out, but like he gets credit for like recruiting Nick Bosa to Ohio State, and I could have recruited Nick Bosa to Ohio State. You know what I mean? Like recruiter of the year is like based on the stars of the players you recruited. Okay, so it's like I'm not saying I'm not. We've talked a lot about how good of a recruiter he was. He was a very good recruiter, and I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just saying that. I, I don't I think they have other guys who can make up for it at least in this 2019 class and the only one you have to worry about you mean coaches who can make up for it yeah or play okay coaches coaches who can if there was if there's something lost in losing Zach Smith and recruiting the rest of the way in 2019 like I think someone like Ryan Day can pick up the slack and you don't have to worry about it okay because here's well I'll get to ripping him as a position coach later Here, the here's the thing that I want to bring up about recruiting Luke fickle was a very good recruiter right? Yes. Kerry Combs was a very good recruiter, right? Those are the last three assistants they lost. Fickle, yeah. Combs, now Zach Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you make an argument? And I think I think maybe you're making a point that maybe Ryan Day is a pretty good recruiter and like people don't know it and he hasn't been getting enough credit. Is that yeah. a point you're making? Could you have made an argument? Would there have been a time two years ago when you made an argument Larry Johnson's really good. Urban Meyer wants all his assistants to be good recruiters. Could you have made an argument at some point that the three best recruiters on staff were Combs, Fickle, and Smith? Yeah, I think so. At least Combs and Smith, for sure. And so now they're gone. Yeah. So I think Tabor Tabor Johnson's been a college coach forever. He was at Ohio State before. He's done well. I think Tabor Johnson is a good recruiter. Uh, I don't think he's as good as Kerry Combs because I think Kerry Combs is elite. Okay? So I think you took a step back there as a recruiter. And that assistant switch just because Kerry Combs is so good. When they replaced Luke Fickle, they hired a guy. Here's the thing. They basically, when Luke Fickle left, they if they promote Heartline, which is what everyone's assuming they're going to do. That's what they did with Bill Davis. Bill Davis had been like a, a, a staffer working with linebackers for a year while Fickle was here. And then Fickle left, and then they just promoted Bill Davis. Yeah, I don't, I don't know... Was Bill Davis his hands on with the linebackers as Brian Hartline has clearly been with the receivers? Over the last I think year? maybe I th- the guys knew him. He yeah. wasn't a stranger. The linebackers knew him. Yeah. But my point about it is, is I, I think that was a big drop off in recruiting from Fickle to Bill Davis because Bill Davis hasn't recruited. Bill Davis was in the NFL for 25 years. He doesn't know how to recruit. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bill Davis has been a great recruiter. I'm not a recruiting expert. Am I a recruiting expert? No. Is Bill Davis a great recruiter? Bill? No. No. Okay. So you took a step back there. I think they need the new receivers coach long-term to be a great recruiter because I think you are not just making up for Zach Smith. You're making up a little bit for Combs. You're making up for the fact that Fickle to Davis was a big step down, in my opinion. Yep. I think the new receivers coach, and again, we're assuming Brian Hartline is going to coach the receivers on the field this year. You're not going to go hire a new receivers coach two weeks before the season starts. But whoever the new guy is, maybe it's Hartline. But again, Brian Hartline has never been a full-time college assistant. Correct. Whoever it is needs to be great. So I understand that you're saying maybe – I think there might be an inclination among the fan base of like, wow, Zach Smith – Zach Smith got talked about a lot as a recruiter. It sounds like to me like you're trying to back off that a little bit so that maybe – so that people don't get the impression like this is a crushing blow to them overall. But I think for the depth yep. of their recruiting across their nine-person staff, I think at the very least 
listen, I'm going to be honest. I didn't like Zach Smith. I thought he was a loose cannon. I thought he was kind of a me first guy. It's like, am I going to, am I here to like, um, kick a guy when he's down? Maybe, I guess, I guess that's what I'm doing. But I just thought I, I had issues with him along the way. I didn't think he coached the position, his position group terribly well. I lumped Zach Smith in with Tim Beck and Ed Warner in 2015 when I thought the offensive coaches weren't getting it done. And at the end of the year, the three worst offensive coaches, two were gone, one stayed. But I think he did recruit. But, but I, the bottom line is I think, I do think they need the, the Zach Smith replacement to be a home run hire, not tomorrow. And maybe it's Brian Hartline. Maybe Brian Hartline proves that this sure. year. But I'm saying like, you know, at some point you can't keep every assistant coach move can't be, well, we got a little worse. We got a little worse. We got a little worse at every assistant coach. You got to get better somewhere. And I think because I think Zach Smith was, oftentimes not the best representative of Ohio State. And I think because he could have coached his guys better, I think you have a chance to get better at this position. But you need to do it. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know who at the moment who the obvious candidates are, but, but I just like that the cleanest way to do it now is to just make Brian Hartline the interim receivers coach because you have somebody to coach the team when camp opens in two weeks. Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean that Brian Hartline is going to be the guy recruiting for the – or the guy – coaching the receivers next year and recruiting the class of 2020 and beyond. Like he very well could be, but it's not a guarantee. You can have a new guy in here in December. Um, but I, I still, and maybe in that interim period, you do take a little bit of a hit with 2019. And obviously that is not a good thing for Ohio state, but they have Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson has said he's not going anywhere. Yeah. So if like the collateral damage is like, you only get Garrett Wilson. I'm not, I don't want to minimize that, but like it could be far worse. Like you could lose Gary Wilson. Yeah, yeah, no, um, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, there, there are again, there are plenty of assistant coaching moves at a lot of big time programs that would be almost borderline disastrous if yeah. you had to fire a guy like this two weeks before camp started. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think anyone is couching this as disastrous. No, and I don't. I, and, and Hartline, you sort of just like have to have like who's the receivers coach? So it's Brian Hartline, but like. I don't know how good of a coach Brian Hartline actually is. Nobody knows how good of a coach he is. The receivers seem to like him. They seem to like him, and he played in the league. Right. But also, like, Urban Meyer is a receivers coach. So if yes. it turns out that, like, listen, Brian Hartline, you are, like, on paper our interim receivers coach, but you don't quite – you're just not quite ready to handle all this yet. So, like, Urban Meyer is actually the receivers coach. And then they bring in somebody more established who's done it for a while in December. I think that's just as just as likely, if not more likely, than Brian Hartline just getting the job on a permanent basis. And I will say about promoting Hartline, we joked about this. It's like, listen, I think Brian Hartline might be very good. It does seem like they like him and he knows how to play the position. And I think he's kind of like a good mix of like a hard ass and a nice guy. Like I think yeah. he jokes around with the guys, but I think he's kind of a no-nonsense guy. I think he might he might be very good. It would not be at all, at all be a surprise that Brian Hartline goes on and has a very successful coaching career. Um, but – what was I going to say? I don't know. Did I have a point? You started off by saying, like, I like Brian Hartline. Oh. No, I can't remember what I was going to say, though. But okay, but I want you to say this. Say the guy. But also, oh, we were talking about qualifications. Brian Hartline's 31. Zach Smith was 27 when he became the Ohio State receivers coach. And, again, that's only because Earl Bruce is a grandfather. Urban Meyer would not have hired a 27-year-old receivers coach whose only experience in full-time coaching was one year at Marshall and one year at Temple to be the receivers coach at Ohio State at age 27 when he's never played the position if he wasn't Earl Bruce's grandson. So, like, I think it's like, okay, well, Brian Hartline, okay, well, 
he doesn't have that much coaching experience. Brian Hartline is infinitely more qualified to be Ohio State's receivers coach right now than Zach Smith was when Zach Smith was hired. But the guy you want me to bring up is also a 27-year-old who's never played the position. But but who played college football and – Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're, you're right. But go ahead. Say it anyway. Kenny Guyton, who's t- 27. He's Houston's wide receivers coach. Uh, I think this is be the second year he's had the job. He's, like, bounced around between, like, Tom Herman's guys between Houston and Texas. Um, he might have actually never been at Texas for a full football year. I think no. I think he he was, he was going to go uh, there. That Major Applewhite got the job and brought him back, right? Yeah. Um, but he's a receivers coach at at Houston. Urban Meyer loves Kenny Guyton. Brings him up like to be fair. Everybody, everybody loves, loves Kenny Guyton. Guyton. <laughs> I wasn't around when Kenny Guyton was here, but I like anyone whose nickname is Smooth Jazz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think he'd be a very interesting hire. We talk about the racial diversity of the staff a lot, and it's better now that they've hired Tabor Johnson. They have Larry Johnson, they have Tony Alford, but I think that kind of balance is important on your staff. And Kenny Guyton's obviously African-American. I think that could be a plus for Ohio State. Um, <coughs> he's coached the position for a year. He's He has more recruiting experience than Brian Hartline does because Brian Hartline has zero. Yep. Um, and he's like, he's worked, like, I think there is something to like working for it and and not just like being given what is a pretty high profile, important job just because like you're the guy who was around. Yeah. It's not to say that Brian Hartline hasn't earned it. I don't, I'm not behind the doors every day seeing what he's doing. But like Kenny Guyton has cut his teeth a little more. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I do think, I think that's just an important point to make. No one's doubting Brian Hartline's ability, but I think, you know, they need to get the best they can get. Maybe it's Brian Hartline, but it's not automatically Brian Hartline. I right. think that's the point. I think it's, going to be automatically Brian Hartline now, but it's not automatically Brian Hartline full-time. Yeah, yeah. this is kind of the start of Brian Hartline's, if, if indeed he is the guy, his four-plus-month job interview, essentially. like He's got four months to pretty much prove to Urban Meyer and the staff, like, don't go out and hire anybody else. I'm your guy. Tim, yes. you covered Ohio State football last year. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. What did you think of the receiver play last year? And let's talk 2000. 18 now what what do you think this might do to the receiver play now everybody's back what do you think it means that that this is happening at a position where they have a lot of veterans well i think there's this definitely could be a shakeup of the pecking order because you bring in a fresh face to really run the position there, there could be a reshuffling i guess of who's number one who's number two and on down the line and last year we saw just different guys you know take have their moments, but no one ever really stepped up to become the guy. And I think that was the biggest criticism of last year's group was there was no guy who, you know, grabbed someone, grabbed us by the neck, grabbed us by the shirt collar and said, I'm your guy. I'm your number one guy. I'm going to play like it. They didn't have that guy last year. So they, they got to find that guy again. And maybe it takes a fresh set of eyes and a fresh set of coaching, a new approach, whatever, to find that guy. But I also wrote that just the Dwayne Haskins dynamic, I think, is going to alter the receiver room as well. But So even though they have the top six guys back, it's going to be a very different-looking top six, in my opinion, just be, just because even before all this came out, you have a new guy throwing the football. I do think that the fact that everybody's back, if you were coaching like three new starting receivers, this would be a bigger deal yep. right now. Um, I just thought of something that is absolutely critical. Does this mean the death oh. of Zone 6? No. No? And the players will keep it alive. They, I think they like it. Don't they seem to like it? 
Don't they like all wear dog tags that say Zone, zone Six on them? I'm just. I mean, maybe it was just forced upon him by Zach Smith. But he. But he might. What if he takes it with him? What if he patented it? And now he's going to take oh, it. What, zone Six is yeah. in the U.S. Patent Office somewhere. Uh, well, let's look it up. Can we look that up? Look up a trademark. Um, okay. That is the effect. That's the effect of this, okay, on Ohio State football. Let's talk now about more complicated things that we don't have answers to. Bill Landis. What? I don't even know how to phrase it. The basic is not the main question. Did Urban Meyer know about the alleged 2009? It's not an alleged. We know something happened in 2009. Zach Smith was arrested. There was a police report about him and his then-pregnant wife. He was not charged. He declined to press charges. His lawyer, Zach Smith's lawyer, has gone on the radio in Columbus on Monday before Zach Smith was fired and and tried to explain this away and said, like, you know, yes, there was a police report. You can't refute that. But, like, it was – they figured it out the day after and it was – you know, it's not as what it seems. Okay, so – we have to we we have to know did Urban Meyer know about 2009? So because there were no charges, it's possible that he wouldn't know, right? And then if he didn't know, I think yeah. it's like, well, I didn't know about it. There were never any charges, and I think if that's the case, is that sort of the end of it? Like if Urban says, I didn't know, like are you supposed to know about every arrest, even if there's no charges, or or I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I. Th- I think that's a fair standard to hold a head coach to. to that know, he should know? That he should know. So you would not accept – if Urban Meyer says, I didn't know about it, you think he should have known about it? Yes. There okay. was also a report of an incident in 2015 that happened when Zach Smith was obviously on, on staff at Ohio State. Um, cer- certainly on some level it's plausible that Urban Meyer would not know. I just think that a head coach of a football program should know. If should know everything. Should know everything about the people that he employs. One way or another. Yes. Okay. It's hard. I do think, is it not a little complicated when no charges are filed? I mean, it's not a matter of public record. Um, I mean, he, he would have to know about it to go down to the police station and get the report to find out about it. Right. You can't just search up the, search the records on, on, on court documents. Um, but I don't, I, even like Ohio State's reach is, is it's far reaching and there's, they have infinite resources and people that track these things for players that get in legal trouble and, and, how to resolve those things. And I, if you don't have systems in place to do the same thing for your coaching staff, then I would consider that a failure. Um, so I, I am of the mind that any head coach should be on top of these kind of things. Okay. I'm not sure if I agree with that. I think I, I, I think I might understand that, you know, I didn't, he wasn't charged and Zach didn't tell me. And how am I supposed to know about a police report that I would, uh, the only way I would know about it is if I knew about it. But, but I understand what you're saying. I'm not sure if, I, I want to hear Urban talk about it. I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Can, what, is is Urban Meyer saying it's an unfortunate situation? We don't tolerate those things. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Is that acceptable on Tuesday? No, I don't think so. Tim, you're shaking your head. You think no? No, and I do. In a, in a way, I kind of piggyback on what Bill said. You're a multi-million dollar coach. You're trying to hire assistants. You're giving six figures to. There's got to be background checks on this. Like, I don't know the power of, like, a college football coach to really run background checks on every single guy you hire. I don't know the process that you would go about that. But these are things that got to come up. I'm curious what happened in, like, more details into 2015 because I I think that's as as significant as anything because 2009, no charge, you know, different story. But 2015 happened. But no charges in 2015 either, right? No. Right. But this is a second incident, though. 
I mean, one incident is like, you know, it's the old saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I agree. I think it is always hard when, when there's not charges, you know, and I know it's very complicated in domestic abuse situations. A lot of times I think there aren't charges or, or people say, I'm not going to press charges, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it's, it's very complicated. Um, if he did know, if Urban knew about everything, if Urban knew about 2009 and Urban knew about 2015, is there an explanation that would be acceptable for why Zach Smith was kept on staff and now fired today? Because that's the no. hard thing about this is if Urban knew, because I think there is a scenario. We love to play the scenario game. Maybe I, I take that back. I love to play the scenario game and make people listen as I play it. And I say, what about this? And then I go on for four minutes and explain a scenario. But what if Urban knew about 2009 and, and talked to Zach and talked to the people involved and thought there was a reasonable explanation? And yes, there's a police report, but, but Zach was going to learn from it. And okay. And what if in 2015, yes, there's a police report. But again, it was, it was more – Zach explained it. It was kind of a misunderstanding and, and Zach's wife maybe – I don't know. Who knows? Is there any kind of – but then – but here's the problem with that. To me, right? The only problem with that is now he's fired. So is the difference now? There's a new protection order that is open now that had just been requested. Is it possible maybe that he knew about 09, he knew about 15, now this is the third thing and that's why there's an end? Would that – like? A, well, I mean if that, I think if that's the case, that's bad. Like that's three strikes and you're out? Yeah, like if you uh, – uh, so when, when I when I said that I think that a head coach should know about these things, I, when I say that I don't also mean that like if you didn't know about them, they're like you should be fired. Um, I just think it's like you failed in your duties as a head coach by not knowing these things. But I don't think that's necessarily grounds for you to lose your job. Um, so I think it is possible, certainly possible, that he didn't know about them, or he knew about one and he didn't know about the other. And like like you said, the first one he knew about it, and like they worked it out, and like there's there's past it was a thing like. The, it's not a direct comparison, I don't think, to like what happened with Carlos Hyde. But Urban said that if Carlos Hyde had been charged, he would have been dismissed from the team, right? And he wasn't charged, so he wasn't dismissed from the team. He was just suspended a little bit or for a few games. Um, which like sounds to me like there was like some discussion about like, listen, you don't get a second chance or whatever. Like so, like if it happened with Zach Smith in 2009, Urban found out about it, and the discussion was like, listen, you don't get a second chance. And then he didn't know about 2015. I think that's plausible. I think that's more plausible than him not knowing about any of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the hard thing is, and because the question is, if you knew what changed that now you made a move, and maybe it's, again, the new protection order, if that's a third thing. We, ha we have to ask Urban about all this. Listen, like, we're kind of speculating about what might have happened, but we do know some things. We just don't know what Urban knew, right? And we don't know all the details of everything, but there's a thing in 2009, there's a thing in 2015, and there's a new protection request from his wife, his ex-wife, in 2018. So that's what we know. It's very complicated, but I do think there's a point to be made in this that there is a difference in firing somebody or, or a university or an athletic program or a team doing something because someone did something and there's the difference or because now people found out that someone did something. Right. And so like we have to try to parse that a little bit. And I am not saying – we're not saying anything about Urban Meyer. We don't know. 
And all we know at the moment is that when he found this out, he fired him. Yeah. And that's the column that I just wrote is that he didn't just fire an assistant coach. He fired the grandson of his mentor. Earl Bruce is like a second father to Urban Meyer. Three months ago, I was at the celebration of Earl Bruce's life in St. John Arena. Zach Smith and Urban Meyer both spoke there. And three months later, Urban Meyer had to fire Zach Smith. So I like I don't want to go overboard like giving Urban Meyer credit for making a tough call or anything, but I'm just like this is different than anybody else on this staff. Yeah. If any of the other eight assistant coaches were in the same situation, it's different than this. And I just think that that is worth noting. And so we don't know what Urban Meyer knew. We know that he fired Zach Smith on Monday. Yeah. Yes. We're going to have a lot more coverage for Big Ten Media Days. This kind of blew a hole in the back half of our day. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Harbaugh was kind of weird on Monday, so we're, I'm going to write about that. We have some Penn State stuff. We have some um, more Michigan stuff. We had Ed, we have Ed Warner stuff. I talked to Jeff Brom, the Purdue head coach, for six minutes about when he played two minor league seasons with the Indians. That was really interesting. Um, Tim is gathering all kinds of different tidbits of stuff around the Big Ten. We, we just have we have a lot going on, but this happened. And it, it, we said in 2015, we got to Big Ten Media Days, and we found out that Joey Bosa and Jalen Marshall and some guys were suspended for the opener. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, whatever. And now this is, again, it's sort of time. Sometimes you get a, a Big Ten Media surprise. Yeah. Um, so we said we were having an emergency podcast. We are going to eat pizza. Yep. It's going to be deep dish. Don't insult. Listen, there's no reason to insult deep dish pizza to us, okay? Like, I'm not going to tolerate that. I'll tolerate a lot. (laughs) I'm not going to tolerate that. Um, Thanks to you guys for listening. Shout out to our friends at the Ohio State University Bookstore, Barnes & Noble on High Street. You can find them at shopohiostate.com and a huge... Shout out to our friends on Twitter, our most loyal of the loyal listeners who have tweeted us to already say that in one podcast of ShopOhioState.com being a sponsor of Buckeye Talk, they have already gone and bought things from ShopOhioState.com and the Barnes & Noble Ohio State University bookstore. So thanks to our new sponsor. Thanks to our loyal listeners for patronizing our sponsor. We're going to go eat pizza. We're going to write some more stories. We will be back on Wednesday. We will do another wrap-up podcast Tuesday night from Chicago. We will post that Wednesday in our regular slot, the regular Buckeye Talk, for now. He's Bill Landis. He's Tim Bielek. I'm Doug Lee Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>